Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. I'm Natasha Daniels, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about social anxiety in children, but in general. Social anxiety can be so overwhelming. And I get this because that is one of my anxiety themes. And it's one of, well, it's actually two of my children's anxiety themes as well. So we're going to talk about what it looks like and how to help. Now I get this because I'm going to talk about myself again. (laughs) Because as a child, I had social anxiety. I didn't know that it had a name. And in fact, I didn't really put the pieces together for myself until I was in my 40s. And that's kind of sad. And you don't want your children to have to wait until they're in their 40s to be like, oh my gosh, I have had social anxiety my entire life. No wonder why everything has been hard for me. And I am trying to help my kids not have that happen to them because I don't want them to go through life feeling uncomfortable. So social anxiety makes you feel like everybody is staring at you. And I can speak about social anxiety from a very, very personal space because I get this on an incredibly personal level. You feel like everybody is watching you and everybody is judging you. And so if you have a child that is very consumed with what other people think, they want everybody to like them. They're very self-conscious about how they look, how they sound and they have anxiety, it can manifest into social anxiety. Now, of course, I wrote an article because I've, I feel like I've written an article on every single topic, but I have an article on social anxiety on my website at anxioustoddlers.com. And I will leave a link in the show notes, but it's 30 signs of social anxiety in children when it's beyond shyness. And I go through 30 different signs that you can look for that would indicate your child is having some social anxiety issues. And it's not really that important that you kind of label it, but I know personally, it did make me feel better once I was able to put my social interactions in context. Once I was able to kind of package it and say to myself, Natasha, that's right. I talk to myself sometimes. It's true. (laughs) She is wacky. Once I was able to say to myself, Natasha, you have social anxiety. So are you legitimately seeing this or is this your paranoia? Or I would say, do I want to avoid this or do I want to kick my social anxieties butt and do it anyway? So I was able to put it in context as an anxiety. And then it made me feel better because then it wasn't about me. It was more about an anxiety. And for some reason, I don't know why, but that made me feel better. And I think it makes kids feel better too. And it's like, Hey, you know what? This isn't you. This is your anxiety. And so you can defeat this because this doesn't define you. All right. Enough of a tangent. Let's talk about some of the signs of social anxiety. So I'm going to kind of go through a little bit of my article and I will talk about some of the signs that you can look for in your kids. And I will also use other kids as examples. And I'll even talk about me a little bit more. So some signs are like having a hard time talking to other kids or adults. Ironically, obviously I don't have that 
professionally, but I did on a personal level. So I didn't like small talk. I didn't like chit-chatting with just strangers. I wasn't chatty. I mean, I'm still not chatty. I still have social anxiety, but I am really kicking its butt because now I know what it is and I'm not going to be dictated by it. So if they have a hard time talking to other people, obviously that's a very big sign. If they're worrying about their appearance and not in a vain narcissistic way, but in a way that says, I don't want to be judged by other people. And so a lot of times people with social anxiety will want to blend in. And so for a long time, when I was a kid, I would just wear black. (laughs) I was kind of a disturbed kid anyway. No, I wasn't. I was fine, (laughs) but I was a little, I was a little gothic at one point. So I did wear a lot of black and it was kind of, I'm, you know, I was born in New York city, so it was kind of a style thing, but I also wanted to like blend in a little bit, I think. So if your child, I I work with kids who will not want to wear anything on their t-shirts. Like they just want to wear solid colors because they don't want to attract any attention. So you want to look for that kind of thing. They worry that they might say or do something embarrassing. And so it goes beyond the norm. They might even worry about you saying something embarrassing and you might be like, that's not embarrassing. And they might be like, mom, don't say that. And, or don't touch me. My son last summer, I remember he, I was dropping him off at camp and he was like, don't kiss me when we get in there. And it it crushed me. It didn't really crush me, but it was kind of sad because I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't even, we're already at that point and you're only six and I can't kiss you, but he has a lot of, all three of my kids have a lot of social anxiety because genetically the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so I don't know why, but it does, it's manifested that way with all three of my kids on different levels. Um, if they're worrying about getting embarrassed and all of these things, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. So yeah, a lot of kids might have a hard time talking to other people. And a lot of kids worry about their appearance. So when you take all of these separately, a lot of kids can have these. But I think when you look at the big picture and all of these things are debilitating to them, or they have all of these attributes, that's when you're looking at signs of social anxiety. And I'm not diagnosing your kids. So if you're worried about this, as always, go seek the advice of a mental health professional, because this is just for your information only. So on with the list. Oh, wait, I had something else I wanted to say about the embarrassing one. Now, as an adult, I'm going to, I'm going to interweave all my issues into this whole episode. Cause this is like my number one issue is social anxiety, which I really feel like in the last two years, ironically, since I've launched my website and my book, I've just tackled my social anxiety and I just don't care anymore, which is beautiful. Cause I'm like, whatever, I don't care what anyone thinks about me as long as I like myself, which sounds totally cheesy. And I don't care. I don't even care about that. (laughs) So there take that. But I really feel like I was kind of thrown into that because of my book that my first book that came out and, and then I just kind of tackled it, but we'll talk about that in a minute. So when my youngest child was a toddler, she would always say the most embarrassing things. And I was still in the throes of social anxiety. It wasn't really until, and this is going to sound really weird as a child therapist, but it wasn't really until two years ago when I wrote my first book, How to Parent Your Anxious Toddler, that I keyed into the fact that I had social anxiety. 
I mean, I always knew I was an anxious person, but I didn't realize that social anxiety was my theme. It was weird. So she would say the most embarrassing things. I'll give you just a brief example and we'll move on. So we were at swim class. It's always swim class. I'm sorry. I don't know why all my stories tend to revolve around swim class, but they do. So it was like the same people every week because all these people were coming and bringing their kids and they were all sitting there watching their kids swim every week. And there was this man who was very heavy set. It's a very, very heavy set man. And my, my youngest daughter, she always would point out people's appearances and like in an innocent, non-judgmental way, like in a toddler way. And so he would come up and she'd be like, mom, there's the giant mom, the giant's back. And I would want to die. <laughs> I'm like, please stop. And he was, he was nice. He would smile at her, but I would see him coming. I'd see him walking through the door my heart would start to race and I'm like, Oh my gosh. And I would look at her and I try to distract her because the minute she would like lock eyes with him, she would scream the giant, the giant is back. She like mortified me on a daily basis. <laughs> that was just one example. Every single day I was like terrified to bring her anywhere. We, one time we were going to get our oil changed and this old man was talking to her and you know, he had some very, um, his teeth were like, not doing well. <laughs> I don't know how to phrase that. He has some teeth issues. And the minute he started talking, I was like, Oh my gosh, she's going to say something because like, she just hones in on those things. And she was saying, why do you have green teeth? And it was very awkward. So that was my toddler. She's gotten a lot better because now she's five. And we have this whole game where we say like, think it, don't say it. And she's kind of learned, you know, we, we filter, we think things, but we don't say them out loud. And so sometimes my seven-year-old, my, my son will be like, that's a think it, don't say it kind of thing. So you probably shouldn't have said that. (laughs) So now I have like, everybody's helping me out. So yeah, that would embarrass me. But now I don't think I, I would really care. I mean, I'd feel bad that she's hurting someone else's feelings and I would apologize, but it wouldn't embarrass me the way that it did then because I've worked on my social anxiety. So let's move on with the list. If your child struggles with ordering their own food at restaurants, um, sometimes that's a really big sign when they are having a hard time talking in general to other people. Sometimes that moves into selective mutism, which we're not talking about in this episode, but ties very strongly with social anxiety, where the person really won't talk to anybody outside of family members. And I've worked with some kids where they really won't even talk to family members they might only just talk to their mom or their siblings and nobody else has heard their voice or rarely that can be a thing. People with social anxiety are consumed with what other people think of them. Um, Sometimes they have a hard time eating in front of other people. And sometimes they have a hard time peeing or pooping in public. Well, not like they're going to sit in the middle of Walmart and have a big poop, (laughs) but they have a hard time using the bathroom in any other area. And I totally get that because as a kid, I would wait until I got home to use the bathroom, probably too much information, but just to show you, like, you know, that was a real concern for me. And there are other kids I work with where they won't use a toilet unless they're at home. And that becomes a big issue when you're talking about being in school for like eight hours a day. And that can ironically be a sign of social anxiety. Sometimes when I see like kindergartners, they have a hard time eating in front of other people. And that's a sign of social anxiety. 
They prefer to stay at home most of the time. They, some of the obvious ones, like they feel overwhelmed in large social gatherings. They're worried that people are going to embarrass them. They don't want anyone to focus on them. They get too anxious to raise their hand in class. They overanalyze social situations. Now I want to spend a lot of time. So I'm kind of, I was running through them and then now we're going to hit the brakes and focus on that one for a little bit, because that's a big one. Social anxiety tends to make kids paranoid. And so their perceptions of reality are not always accurate. A lot of times their perceptions are skewed and they feel like, you know, like I'll give you an example, like two people could be talking and whispering and a person with social anxiety will immediately think they're talking about them. And it's not because they're vain or self-centered or that the world just revolves around them. It's just that their social anxiety is always telling them that people are judging them. And so if somebody glances their way, it's because maybe their hair looks bad. Or if two people are whispering, they're definitely talking about you. And it's a horrible way to live because you're constantly feeling under attack and you're not. And that's the funny thing. And unfortunately with technology, now we've got texting and we've got, you know, or Snapchatting. Do people Snapchatting? Is that a verb? I don't know, but you know what I mean? Now kids with social anxiety don't know how to interpret those things. I was talking to someone the other day in my practice and she was talking about how someone left her on, on read or read. <laughs> I can't even talk today. And like, guess what? I don't even care. But so I didn't even know that was a thing. Like people can leave you on read. And if you don't even know what I'm talking about, I guess with teenagers and maybe, you know what I'm talking about and I'm just totally out of touch. That's totally possible. But like, you know, like when you're texting and then it says red on the bottom, I guess there's a thing with teenagers where if you're left on red and no, so they read it, but then they don't respond. That's considered rude. Like I didn't need to add that to my list of things to worry about, <laughs> which it, there wouldn't be a list because I'm moving on. But those are the kind of things that our teenagers with social anxiety are dealing with. So they're feeling rejected even in the way that people are texting and, you know, sometimes I'll read things and I'll read them in a, in a rude way. Let me explain what I'm talking about. Like someone will text me or email me and my initial social anxiety perception will read the sentence and it will sound rude. And I will think immediately, whoa, that person was being super rude to me. And then I'll read it back because I've learned, and this is something to teach your kids with social anxiety. I will read it again. And it wasn't rude at all. Like I put a tone to it that wasn't there, or I added a word that wasn't there because the social anxiety perspective is completely skewed. And so one way to teach your kids who have, who has social anxiety is to take a step back and really evaluate their perceptions. My oldest is dealing with social anxiety. She's actually doing a lot better right now, but sometimes she'd come home and I would have her take a step back and I would say, do you think that that's really what happened or what are some alternatives? You have to be careful because sometimes kids will bite your head off when you say that. So you kind of want to sit with them and validate whatever they're going through at first. And then you have to teeter. You have to like walk on little eggshells because you don't want to crack those eggshells and make them explode. But a way to approach it is to say, I wonder if maybe they were talking about something else and maybe not you. Or I wonder if they were whispering because they were dealing with something, but it didn't have anything to do with you. 
or I wonder if they were looking at you because you got a haircut that day and your hair looks really cute and different because someone with social anxiety never thinks that people are looking at them for a good reason. Trust me. I know this. You're always thinking they're looking at you for a bad reason. And it's kind of sad because people might be staring at you because you look good, or maybe you have a cute shirt on, or maybe they want to talk to you. But the person with social anxiety will immediately interpret that as negative and they will shut down and be unapproachable because they're thinking, okay, she's staring at me. Why is she staring at me? She's probably staring at me because I don't look okay. Or maybe she's staring at me because like, I don't belong here and I'm not a part of them. And then that person will turn away and not look approachable because of all the things that are going on in their head. And then the person's not going to approach them because they don't look very warm and fuzzy when they are disengaging and looking away. And so unfortunately it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where people with social anxiety feel rejected all the time and they feel judged all the time. So they give off a very prickly, that's kind of what I call it to the kids that I work with. I'll say you're very prickly to other people and you're not on the inside. You're a really nice person, but you're coming off pretty prickly and that's not approachable. Nobody wants to be friends with a porcupine. (laughs) So, and I know, cause I totally am a porcupine, you know, I'm not anymore. I'm improving, but I look very porcupine-ish. You know, if I'm just sitting there in the past, like two years ago, if I was sitting there, um, in a swim class, for example, I was pretty porcupine-ish. I was not approachable. I didn't want to talk to you. And not because I'm rude, but I just didn't want the stress and the pressure of having to carry a conversation while I'm watching my child swim. I didn't want that. Now I don't really care. I'm really still an introvert. Ironically, I know it doesn't sound like I'm an introvert as I like, just like talk to this microphone, but you know, I'm in my sweatpants at home, like talking to a microphone. (laughs) I don't have this perception that I'm sitting here talking to hundreds of people. I am sitting here talking to myself. And so I can be kind of you know, I can come out of my shell, but if I was sitting here in front of hundreds of people, then I couldn't be as bubbly and talkative because I'm I'm an introverted person. And that's, that's true probably with most kids with social anxiety is that when they're home, they're more themselves, they're outgoing. Um, they might be even extroverted, but when they get into social situations, they get shut down. So just because you have social anxiety doesn't mean you're necessarily an introvert. I happen to be an introvert. I get charged by being alone or by, by being with just a few people that I love, like just like my husband and my kids. (laughs) I just, I really can't handle too much more than that. I'm completely filled up just by the people in my house and I get drained when I'm out in social situations, but that's more introvert extrovert things. I've met lots of people with social anxiety who are extroverted They just get depleted. Their energy gets depleted when they're around social situations because of their anxiety and not because who they are hardwired to be, if that makes sense. Okay. I want to continue going down the list that I have in this article. Okay. So up next, we are going to finish off going over this list and talk a little bit about how you can help your child who might have social anxiety. Stay tuned. That's what's up next. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. 
For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Some other signs of social anxiety include feeling paranoid that, that your friends don't really like you. So kids will often say, you know, I just don't feel like they really like me. And they'll overanalyze their friendships and feel like they're not high quality enough, or they'll, they'll look for the subtle signs that indicate that maybe that person really doesn't like them. And it's an incorrect perception. A lot of times I find that I'm trying to normalize kids' behavior to people with social anxiety. They'll say things like, you know, I... I give great advice and I am there for my friends. And then when I talk, they look like they're not interested and they might, you know, give me a couple of words of encouragement and then they move on and talk about themselves. And I have to back up and try to help them understand that. Unfortunately, that's how a lot of teenagers are. And I'll say, it's not about you. I mean, no offense to you. You're a great person, but most teenagers are narcissistic. Most teenagers think the world revolves around them. And you know what? Developmentally, that's appropriate. That's the way they're supposed to be. There's a few gems out there that are not that way. And they're very giving and they're very in tune to their friends and they're, they have great friendships, but unfortunately that's not always reciprocated. So what you give is not always what you get. And that doesn't mean that people don't like you. It's just where they are developmentally for their age. So that's a way to approach it with your kids. Some other signs of social anxiety. So I'm kind of what I'm doing apparently on this episode is I'm going down my list. You can tell I'm, I'm like not a planner for my episodes. I'm going down my list of social anxiety signs, and then I'm incorporating what you can do as we go. That's what's been happening. <laughs> they have a hard time talking to people on the phone. Um, they have a hard time. They've had a hard time separating when they're little. Sometimes that's a precursor to social anxiety. Sometimes social anxiety will make you feel anxious to do school presentations, to read out loud. I had a major phobia of reading out loud when I was a kid, and I had no idea that it was a sign of social anxiety. I just thought I had a hard time in social situations, and I knew I had like a phobia of reading, but I never put all these things together. Like it got so bad that in college, I would look at the courses and I would worry about taking certain classes because I thought they might make me read out loud. And I even thought about dropping some when I would go into them and they would start like making people read out loud. And it was because I thought I'm going to read and I'm going to stumble over a word and then it's going to be embarrassing and I'm not going to be able to handle that. And that, that's a very classic social anxiety thought process. You don't want to be, look, you don't want to look stupid and you don't want to be embarrassed. And so those are some reoccurring themes that most kids with social anxiety have. Another one that I see that's really common is a fear of blushing in, in public or at school. And I have tons of kids on my caseload right now who worry about blushing. And a lot of times the way that I try to help kids is getting them to accept the blushing. So instead of trying to be like, well, you're not going to blush or don't worry about it. It's like, yep, you're going to blush. And you want to ask them, what's the worst that will happen if they blush? What are people going to think about them? And one thing that I have learned from my own experience and from trying to help my daughter and even my two little ones with some social anxiety is the more empowered your child feels about themselves, the less concerned they'll be about what other people think of them. And so they are 
very correlated. So improving someone's self-confidence and their self-identity will help with their social anxiety. I also start to talk to kids about who cares. So like with, with a child that is worrying about blushing, I'll say, what are they going to think? And they'll say, well, I have blushed before in this class. And I'll say, and what happened? Nothing. So everybody in that class has already seen you blush. Yep, they have. And what happened? Nothing. So when you blush, are they going to be surprised? Nope, they already know I blush. Then it's not a big deal. So you kind of want to walk them through their fears because with any anxiety, the thought is worse than the reality. And when they can realize that, you know what? It doesn't really matter what these strangers think. A lot of times, you know, let's just take another example. If a kid is afraid to go to a store because they don't look okay, or they're afraid that you embarrass them at the store, say, look around. Who are these people? Are you going to see them again? Does it matter? Sometimes when I'm working with kids with social anxiety, I will work on them first and I will tell them, you want to define who you are. What do you stand for? Who are you? And I know that sounds totally cheesy. Trust me, I get that. But once people feel really confident with who they are, they can kind of be like, you know what? Screw everybody else. (laughs) I know that sounds horrible, but you want your child to feel really confident. What do you stand for? And I'm talking about the older kids, but even the younger kids, you can just say, you know, what are the things that you like about yourself the most? And even though that seems very cheesy and very trite, it does help because once a person feels really confident, then it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. Now, unfortunately, when you're school aged, you know, when you're zero to 18, it's harder to get over social anxiety than when you're 40 and you could care less anyway about what people think. Because I think there's a natural evolution as you get older to be like, you know what? Life is too short. Why am I sitting here worrying about what everybody else thinks? And I'm not enjoying myself. That's ridiculous. But when you live in a fishbowl and you go to school in this like really small fishbowl and all the kids are judgy, it's harder to get over social anxiety, but there are some things you can do. So talk to your child about who they are and what they want to give off. You know, do they want to be like this honest kid? And so their values are giving off honesty or they're studious or they're athletic or they're like a really kind kid and they're going to care about their friends. And then you want to teach them that not everybody else is going to be like that. And so like I was working with this little kid the like a couple of weeks ago in my office with social anxiety and she was really upset that another peer didn't like her and this peer got in trouble. Well, actually what happened was this peer should have gotten in trouble but didn't. And the little girl that I was w- working with looked at her because she recognized you should have gotten in trouble and you didn't. And I see that. And you see me seeing that. And the little girl glared at her. And this really upset the little girl that I was working with because she was like, I don't think she likes me and I want everybody to like me. And so I had to help her understand people aren't going to always like you. And that's unfortunate, but that's the reality. And there's nothing you can do about it. You could be the best, most amazing person in the world And people just may not like you and you can't fix that. 
And so instead you have to accept, you know what? Not everybody's going to like me and that's okay because there are people who do like me and I'm going to focus on the people who like me instead of the people who don't like me because I can't get everybody on board. It's impossible. This is what I was saying to this little girl. I was like, there's people who don't like me, you know, and I can't get people to like me. I just focus on the people who do like me. I can't control that. There's people who are going to just stare at you and just be like, yep, I don't like her. (laughs) And you're like, I didn't do anything. It doesn't matter. They don't like you anyway. It's like, what do you do with that? You don't do anything with that because there are people who are just really negative. There's people who are really judgy. There's people who are just not going to like you because you breathe weird, you know, and you can't fix your breathing. You got to (laughs) live. So it's like, whatever. I can't make you happy because I breathe through my nose, whatever. And so I was explaining to this little girl, if you really focus on all the people who don't like you or all the people who look in your direction and you don't feel like it's a good look that they're giving you, you're going to be really sad. But if you turn around to your best friend and she's sitting there staring at you with glowing eyes because she loves you so much, then you're going to have a happier life because you're focusing on the happy. So unfortunately, a lot of times is trying to change the perception of the child with social anxiety. This takes a lot of dialogue, a lot of conversation. The worst thing that you can do for a child with social anxiety is just tell them to get over it or to force them to like talk to people or to force them to get out of their comfort zone when they're not ready, because it can be really embarrassing and it will kind of push them more in their shell. And so instead you can say, Hey, you know, you can take a challenge and why don't you go ask someone for a pencil today or whatever. You can come up with a challenge if you're actively trying to work on social anxiety. I actually think it's better when people take their own challenges and force themselves. For instance, my daughter who's working on it, like in this past year, she would purposely like raise her hand when she was uncomfortable to like lean into her anxiety and to expose herself to situations that were awkward. I do this on a daily basis for the last two years. I will constantly talk in my head. (laughs) Okay. I'm starting to sound weird again. But I will, I will constantly call myself out on avoidant behavior. So like when I go to the gym, I have a tendency to go like the back way. So I don't have to bump into anybody. But now I'm like, nope, nope, nope. You got to go right up to the front. You're going to have a chit chat with the lady and you're going to keep going. Like I purposely make myself go into situations when I know it's my social anxiety that's telling me not to. I purposely, as I walk, wherever I walk, I purposely look at people in the eye and I smile and I say, hi, I would not have done that two years ago. Not because I was a rude person, but because I wasn't fighting my social anxiety. I didn't even know that that's what it was. So if you can teach your child to hit social anxiety in the face by doing the opposite, you can't force them to do it for themselves. If that makes any sense at all, this is their battle And you have to let them lead it because there's nothing worse than a parent who wants to battle your anxiety for you and you're not ready to battle it. That will shut them down. You just want to encourage your children to face their own anxiety. And the best way to do it is to do the opposite of what your anxiety wants. So I'm constantly saying to myself, is that my anxiety or is that what I want? If it's what my anxiety wants, then I do the opposite. If I'm walking in the parking lot and I see somebody coming to my left, 
my social anxiety will say, just go way over to the right. So we can just totally avoid that person. (laughs) I didn't realize how often I did that until I really started paying attention. And so now I purposely walk right by that person. I go the opposite extreme. And then I say hi out loud. And sometimes people aren't friendly. Sometimes they don't even say anything back to me. (laughs) Actually this morning we, I took my daughter out for breakfast and the waitress was super unfriendly and very rude. And I purposely, as I was checking out, I made small talk with her and I said, Oh, it looks like you're really busy. And she was super rude. She continued to like, not really talk to me. And in the past, my social anxiety would be completely on fire and would be like, yeah, she doesn't like you. You need to stop talking. And I'd be really upset by it. And now I'm like, whatever, I can't make everybody happy, but I'm still going to be me. So that's how you want to teach your kids. It is an evolutionary process. It's not a simple fix, but I hope I sparked some ideas on how to address social anxiety, or at least give you a little sneak peek into the world and the mind of a socially anxious person named Natasha. (laughs) So that will do us for today. I hope you're having a great week. If you have a chance, please leave a review. I really appreciate reviews on iTunes if you're enjoying this podcast. So if you have time, I would appreciate that. And until next time, I hope you find the sparkle in every day. Take care and I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.